Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make Him known. The Gospel lesson for today is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9 and 18 to 23. This can be found on page 972 of your Pew Bible. Jesus uses an agricultural analogy to describe how people respond to hearing the word of God. At the request of the disciples, he later explains the meaning of the parable to them in detail. A reading from Matthew chapter 13, beginning with the first verse. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Continuing at verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. This morning, I'm going to tell you about the greatest investment opportunity of a lifetime. It costs absolutely nothing to start and involves very little risk. And if managed well, you could potentially end up with a 30, 60, or even a hundredfold return on your initial investment. Doesn't that sound pretty good? Now, I promise I'm not here to tell you about some get-rich-quick scheme that's going to scam you out of your savings. But what I'm about to share is something that has been tested and proven over time. In fact, I'm so confident in this that I'm even going to supply you with what you need to get started, and I'll share more about that later. 
So what is this amazing investment opportunity of a lifetime? Well, it has absolutely nothing to do with stocks, mutual funds, gold, or real estate. But one of the greatest investments that you can ever make is when you begin to sow the word of God into your life. And not only has the potential to change your life, but it can have such a multiplied effect that it blesses the people and communities that surround you. So we're currently in our preaching series titled Kingdom Living, and today we're going to focus on a major aspect of what it means as Christ followers to live for God's kingdom, and that is to bear much fruit. God is the divine gardener, and he's the one that tends to the garden of our hearts so that we can bear much fruit. In today's text, Jesus shares a parable, which is a story that tells a point. Jesus, like most rabbis of his time, often spoke in parables to teach spiritual truths to his followers. And Jesus knew his audience well. Most of them were rural peasant farmers or herders that were often neglected by the elite in Roman society. But Jesus frequently ministered among this class, so it's no surprise that he used an agrarian illustration to convey his message. Now, while this parable made complete sense for people back then, this might not be as accessible for those of us here who aren't that familiar with agriculture and gardening. Like me, for example. I'm a city girl and I am far from having a green thumb. In fact, the only plant that was most likely survive in my house is a cactus, something that requires very, very little maintenance. So for those of us who are like me and are somewhat agriculturally challenged, here's a photo of a field in Galilee to help us visualize the story a little better. There are two fields in this photo and the rocks in the middle are the boundary markers that divide the fields. So if we were to read the story in the context of this photo, the area in the middle would be the rocky ground. And just by looking at those large rocks, it makes total sense that Steve wouldn't thrive there. And around the rocks are the thorns that are growing nearby. At the very top left side of the photo is a grain field. That is where the good soil is. And right at the edge of that field is a narrow path. After planting the seed, the farmers walk alongside the edge of their fields to avoid trampling over it, and it would create a trodden path. So how does the seed get to all these different places? Well, as farmers sowed their seed, they weren't just reaching into a bucket and plopping it down into the soil, but they would grab a handful and start slinging their arm, almost like a sprinkler head, so that it would spray the seed. And even though most of it would land on the good soil, just by the nature of how the seed was sowed, some of it would land along the path, the thorns, and the rocky places. The seed remains the same, but the variable is in the soil. And depending on where the seed lands, it yields different results. So with this image in our minds, let's dig a little deeper and take a look at the four different types of soil mentioned in the parable. Three of them are bad, and only one of them is good. 
So let's start with the first type of soil, the one that fell along the path. Jesus says in verse four, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Later in verse 19, Jesus refers to the seed as the word of the kingdom and the bird refers to Satan, the evil one who comes to snatch away God's word. If you've ever hung outside of our church property long enough, you'll notice that there are several crows that hang around this area. These crows are so aggressive, they will swoop down and grab whatever morsel of food they can find. When we had our sandwich games outside earlier this summer, some of them are coming down and snatching granola bars right out of the bin. That is what Satan does to those who hear the word of God. Have you ever been in a situation where you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden your phone goes off? Or you're trying to pray and these endless distracting thoughts keep coming to your mind? Or all of a sudden you start to feel drowsy and sleepy as you're listening to a sermon? By the way, if that's happening to you right now, I just want you to know it's not my sermon that's putting you to sleep, (laughs) but it's the enemy that's trying to rob you of God's blessing. But in all seriousness, that is what Satan does. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give abundant life. Satan is like that pesky crow that hangs around our church trying to snatch whatever food it can find. The enemy of our soul tries to steal God's word as we hear it so that it doesn't have a place to land in our hearts. The second type of soil is the rocky ground. Jesus says, starting in verse 20, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. In this scenario, the person starts out well. They receive the word with great joy in their hearts. But kind of like a New Year's resolution that starts off with enthusiasm and it eventually fizzles out due to lack of endurance, that's what it's like when we receive the word on rocky ground. There's no longevity. And as a result, we're not able to reap the benefits. Jesus said, when tribulation comes, It exposes what little or no root there is, and that person falls away. Have you ever noticed that when a hurricane or a storm passes through, sometimes there are trees that get uprooted from the storm? Typically, it's the trees with shallow roots that snap from the pressure, while the trees with deep, extensive roots are the ones left standing. And even though the type of storm and tribulation that Jesus is referring to in this parable is really persecution of one's faith, I think the same can be said to all kinds of hardships that we face in life. Generally, it's those storms and hardships that expose what's on the inside of us, what we really believe about God, ourselves, and the world. 
maybe you've been through this, where you've gone through some kind of tribulation and you're wondering, where is God? How could he allow this? Does he even care? How am I going to get through this? Thoughts of fear, anxiety, doubt, and unbelief begin to rise to the surface. Most of us don't realize that we have fear until we go through a fearful situation. And that's what the storms of life does for us as Christians. It shakes up the ground and it exposes the rocks that are deeply hidden within our hearts. These rocks are the beliefs and the attitudes that are contrary to who God is and what his word says. God doesn't expose them to punish us, but he's the gardener who tends to the garden of our souls. So if there's anything in there that shouldn't belong, that's preventing us from being fruitful, he's going to bring it up so that we can remove them. And with his help, we can become like those strong, deep-rooted trees that can withstand any storm. The third type of soil is the one full of thorns. Jesus says in verse 22, that as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So in this scenario, one might not be going through a major storm or an immense hardship, but there are other things vying for their attention. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. In Luke's account of the same parable, it says, cares, riches, and pleasures of life. These are the distractions that prevent us from being fruitful for God. I don't think Jesus is saying here that it's wrong to be concerned about what's going on in our life or to seek financial stability, but when that is what consumes most of our time and energy, we're not going to see the power of God's word come to fruition in our lives. Whatever we focus on is what gets empowered. And when we focus too much on these worldly distractions, they are like thorns that compete for the nutrients in the soil, choking out the word and making us unfruitful for God's kingdom. So, so far we've gone to the first three types of soil and they're all pretty bad. And maybe as you've been listening, you're able to see yourself in one or more of these scenarios. But if we're really honest with ourselves, who here hasn't fallen asleep sometime listening to a sermon or reading the Bible? Who here hasn't gone through trials or hardships? Who here has not worried about things and were tempted by earthly pleasures? All of us, at some point, have gone through most, if not all, of these scenarios in the parable, which means we all have some pretty bad soil. So what hope do we have of ever becoming good soil? Jesus shows us the way in verse 23. Read along with me what he says. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, 
in another 60, and in another 30. Here is the good news. Even though all of us start out with bad soil, the sower and the seed remains the same. God is the gardener, and he's the one that prepares the soil and plants the seed. It's not up to us to become good soil. We only need to surrender to the loving hands of our heavenly father who tills the soil and plants the seed. And it's in that place of surrender we learn to accept the seed. I found something really interesting while studying this story. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three gospels have the same parable of the sower. But check out the subtle differences I found comparing the good soil in these three books. In Matthew, it says that the good soil is one who hears the word and understands it. In Mark's account of the parable, it says, one who hear the word and accept it. And in Luke's version, it says, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast. So if we were to combine these words from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it would say something like, as for what was sown on good soil, this is one who hears the word and understand it, accept it, and hold it fast. Let me say that one more time. The good soil is one who hears the word and understand it, accept it, and hold it fast. Notice how these commands are not passive, but they're active. God is the sower who sows the word, but once we hear it, we need to understand it. Because the word of God without revelation is only information. It's stuck up here in our heads, and it doesn't go down far enough to lead to true heart transformation. This is where we need the power of the Holy Spirit to bring revelation understanding as we study God's word. And we can simply do this by inviting the Holy Spirit every time we're about to get into the word of God or listen to a sermon. That's one of the reasons why every Sunday right before we preach, our worship team is leading us in a preparation song, inviting the Holy Spirit to bring wisdom and revelation and speak to our hearts through the message. So once we have understanding of God's word, we then need to accept it and embrace it as truth. We have to personalize the word and make it our own. For example, the Bible says that God sent Jesus to die for the sins of the world. But until we get a hold of that truth for ourselves, we're still in bondage to sin. We need to accept and embrace the truth of what Jesus has done for us on the cross if we want to be saved. It's not only important to hear the word and understand the word, but we need to accept the word and make it our own. And once we accept the word, we must then hold fast to the word if we want to see its fruit. This is probably the most difficult part of sowing God's word. The Holy Spirit does his part, but we also have to do our part. As humans, we're forgetful. We get busy and distracted with many things. And when hardships come, we're tempted to give up on our faith. 
But that is when we need to hold fast to the word of God no matter what. It's in those trying times that we must hold on to who God is and what his word says, regardless of what we see, think, or feel. That is how genuine faith is developed and matured over time, deep within the soil. It's not an easy process by any means, but the Holy Spirit will help us along the way so that we can become good soil, bearing much fruit for God's kingdom. What would it look like to bear the kind of fruit that Jesus is talking about in this parable? The kind that has a compound effect of 30, 60, and 100 fold? Well, I imagine it being someone that bears the fruits of God's spirit. His love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Maybe you know someone like that who embodies some of those traits. But if you were to ask them how they became that way, it probably didn't happen overnight. But they had to embrace God and his word and hold on to it when things got tough. Their fruit is the evidence of the Spirit's deep transformative work in their lives. And not only are they blessed as a result, but everyone they encounter is blessed. Their fruit speaks louder than any words ever could. People are just naturally drawn to Christ in them simply by who they are and how they live their lives. That is the kind of kingdom living that God is inviting us to as his people. He wants us to have so much fruit in our life that it spills over and blesses everyone around us, drawing them to Christ. Every single one of us here is on a journey with God. He is the divine gardener who is tilling the ground breaking the hardness of our hearts, exposing the rocks, and preparing the soil to receive him and his word. None of us start out good, but as we entrust ourselves to God, he will tend to the garden of our souls so that we can be fruitful for his kingdom and for his glory. Earlier at the start of this message, I said, sowing God's word into your life is the best investment you will ever make. And even though it costs nothing to start, it does require our participation and collaboration with the Holy Spirit to get his word deep on the inside of us. This morning, as each of you came into the sanctuary, you were given a little card that has a scripture verse on it. You could take it out and take a look at what it says. And for those of you who don't have a card, feel free to pick one up on your way out today. This scripture that is on this card is your seed that I am inviting you to sow into your life or for someone else. It might be a word for you or it might be a word for someone you're going to run into in the next few days. 
If there's another scripture that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about lately, use that one instead. But here is the challenge that I want to give you this week. To read, meditate, confess, pray the scripture out loud. And as you do, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through this word. To help you understand it, accept it, and hold it fast. And let's see what God does as his word gets deep on the inside of us. May we bear so much fruit for his kingdom that we get to see our friends, family members, entire households and cities being transformed by the power of his word. Thanks be to God. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.